0: So, my family and I sometimes play board games. Don't worry, I'm not going to say no, saying much about this. But we play board games at my house. And we're playing this new game called Herd Mentality. It's a really fun game where you get questions, got to answer questions. And I get to learn a lot with my kids how they answer questions. And we got a question. And the question was, at what age should a kid, or should, at what age does someone have their first kiss? And I'm like, all right, let's see what these kids write. Like, cause this is this is gonna tell me a lot about what to expect in the next few years. Now I won't tell you what they said or anything, but that that question, so that idea of like first kiss and first love. Uh, in America it's a big deal to a lot of us, especially when we're young. I remember being young and just I'm so glad when I was a kid I didn't have Facebook because holy cow, I find my old journals from high school. I was really lame. I mean, I would write about my life's over. You know, she doesn't like me. I don't know what to do. Was, if that would have been on Facebook, <sighs> <laughs> as, we get, as we go past, we go past high school. We go past those first puppy love stages. We go to college. We grow up, and then all of a sudden, dating becomes this real big deal. Also, you can get married now. You know. Nowadays, um, marriages, well, weddings are, they say the cost of a wedding has gone up tremendously in our, in our country. Like weddings cost more now than they have, like in the history. It, weddings have gone up like 30% in the last three, since COVID. People are just spending buku dollars to get married. Speaking of which, next week, you guys getting married. Next week, Moses and Lester back getting married. Whoop whoop! got a, a good friend of mine. I was visit, uh, met him at a, um, at a diner. We're talking. And this guy, his life had just exploded. This guy's life had just detonated. He wasn't at the beginning of a story, he was at the end of a story. He, 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 this guy had the dream. He had met someone. They had, they had fallen in love. They had gotten married. They had children. They both had good jobs. They had money. Everything he ever wanted, he got. He had it in his hand. And I were sitting, him and I were sitting together because it was all falling down. His marriage was coming to an end, an abrupt and brutal end. And he said these words to me. I've never forgotten them my whole life. He said to me, everywhere I go in the world, my guard is up work with my siblings when I leave the door I have my guard up and he said but I never had my guard up to my bride I never ever was scared I never protected myself I thought I'll fight the whole world but with her I don't have to be afraid And of course, as the story goes, he found the letters which revealed the affair, which broke their marriage in half. Now, in the world we live in, adultery is a juicy piece of gossip. The shows you watch on TV, adultery is always like, uh, whoa, you know, like these shows you watch, it's like, who's, you know, in, I've never watched soap operas. So some of you guys have watched General Hospital or Days of Our Lives. We have, where I come from, we have telenovelas. We have Spanish soap operas, which are way better. Um, <laughs> well, ours are better because they end. They're like, they'll be like two to three years. They'll come to a conclusion. Then the new one starts with the same actors, but different story. Days of Our Lives are going on for like stinking 40 years. Like, how do you track those stories? Like, who has a guy not been married to? Um, but so in, that, in our world, adultery is a, is a, is a plot device. You know, it's, a, it's no big deal, but it is a big deal. Like when God created marriage, and God created marriage. Marriage is not a creation by the state of Michigan. God created marriage. When God made Adam and Eve, he created marriage to unite them together. It says what? Therefore, man shall leave his mother and his father and cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. That's the beginning of marriage. And God loves marriage, and God does not love divorce. But even though, he doesn't like, even though that God doesn't love divorce, God still allows divorce. And one of the reasons he allows it is for this thing called adultery. Because when two people come together and they share their everything, they share their lives, their hopes, their dreams, their most vulnerable things, and they also share their bodies. If someone gives it to somebody else, you've broken a you've broken a promise. you have betrayed your spouse, and God says, "This betrayal is so painful. You are allowed to walk away after it happens. You don't have to, you don't have to. I have sat with many couples in the aftermath of adultery, and I have seen people make it. It is painful and it is hard. Because that betrayal is hard to forget. It takes time to earn trust, to re-earn trust, doesn't it? It takes years to build trust, and only a moment, and it can be lost. I say all this to say that adultery is this painful, brutal, relationship-killing thing. And it's a big deal. And that's the backdrop for this book called Hosea. Hosea is a prophet of God. Hosea is sent by God to the northern kingdom of Israel. Hosea goes not to the south where Judah and Benjamin live, not to where God's temple is, not to where God's people to worship God. Hosea goes to the north where they have built new temples. They have made, remember, the golden calves? And they're worshiping them. It's it's rowdy in the north. But God sends Hosea to bring to the northern kingdom a message. Now, Hosea, as a prophet, he knows the job description. God says, I speak, I tell you what to say, and you go and say it. No matter how bad, no matter how much people don't like it, I speak, and you repeat it. That's That's the job. The prophets spoke God's word to the people. That's what they did. Hosea was a faithful prophet. But one day, God called Hosea. With a different assignment. God did not call Hosea merely to speak a message. God called Hosea to live a message. God said, Hosea, I need you to be a living sermon for me. Hosea's like, bet what you need from me. I'm your prophet. What do you need from me? God's like, Hosea, I need the world to understand how much I love my people. I need Jose to get married. And Jose was like, Bet. (laughs) I mean, Jose must be, I um, I don't Maybe he's like, maybe he's 30, maybe he's 40. He's like, Lord, I was thinking the other day, I need myself a wife. Like, God, this is a good idea. I'm lonely. It's cold at night. This sounds like a great idea. Who is she, Lord? And I mean, I mean, think about it. Like, I don't think you've ever. I don't often play matchmaker. It's really scary to do that, you know. <laughs> I stay away. I, st- I, I, I stay away. Because I don't want to, like, intrude people and it blows up and it's, like, my fault. I don't want to be that guy. But, uh, but I've seen people do it. I've seen people do the, the, the meddling and, the oh, you meet you and blind dates and all this nonsense. But imagine if the Lord God is your dude. The Lord God's like, I'm going to find you a bride. You're like, all right, Lord. I like black hair. I like, oh, like, oh, these are the things I like. You're the God of heaven. You know where she lives. Give me the address. Like, you are, you're, you're God of heaven. She's going to be awesome. Because God's, the, I mean, Who? In India, they have arranged marriages in India still. I've been a part of a few. Not, I'm not married to random people. But I have, I have helped to find a bride for a young man of eligible age. And it's a very you know, stressful thing to find your son a bride in India. But imagine if God's the one looking for you, you're like, well, I don't have to worry about nothing. God's gonna find me a bride, she's gonna be bad. She's gonna be bad to the bone. So God said, I want you to be married, Hosea, and the woman you marry, you're gonna love her, and the world's gonna see how I love my people. And it's like, who? Who is this woman I'm gonna marry? Where does she live? Is she she a daughter of a prophet? Of course she's going to be. She's going to be a good Jewish girl from a good family. This is going to be great. That's Hosea. She's not Jewish. She's a pagan. And she worships false gods. Not only is she a pagan, she Sells herself for money on the bad side of town. Everyone knows her name because of her profession. She is an outcast, an outsider. You, Hosea, I need you to marry Gomer. There must have been deafening silence after that command. But Lord, don't you know who she is? Don't you know what everyone's going to say about me if I do this thing? Imagine, if you will, in the city of Flint, Michigan, uh, there's a famous, there's a, a really well-known church in the city of Flint, and that pastor's wife passes away. He's a widower. And we all feel bad for that widower. Oh, poor pastor's wife passed away. He's alone. He's lonely. Time passes, and he's like, if you know what, it's been a year, you should start dating again, pastor dude. And all of a sudden, we all hear the rumors I heard pastor's got a new girlfriend. Oh, man, who's he dating? Who who, who is pastor? Who's this godly man? What girl has he asked out? Dude, she works over on Dort, yo. (laughs) Imagine the rumors. Imagine the gossip. I bet you every ministerial friend, I probably call him, what are you thinking? You are a man of God. You must marry someone who loves the Lord much as you do. We do not, we cannot be unequally yoked. What are you thinking? You can't marry this girl. You're going to blow your life up. And all of a sudden that pressure goes, listen, God told me to do it, man. Hosea was commanded by God. To marry a woman, he knew this was going to destroy my reputation, destroy my ministry. I'm going to be a laughingstock among all my peers. But God has spoken. Why? God said, you love this woman. Because Hosea, as a loving husband, is a picture of how God loves his people. You got to love this woman, Hosea. The way you love her is going to reveal to the whole world how much I love my people. And a lot of people talk trash in the Old Testament. They say, well, the God of the Old Testament, he's a jerk, and the God of Jesus is awesome. If you read the Bible, the God of the entire Bible is merciful. He's slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love to the third and fourth generation. That is the God we serve. The God we serve, he, the God we serve, he initiates When his people walk away, the God of the Bible, he goes after, to seek, to chase, to pull back to himself. God says, Jose, you love her and you love her good. You love her with your full heart. No matter what she did before, that's your wife and you love her. And the way you love her is a living sermon that everyone will know how much I love my people. Israel, who stinking has two golden calves, Israel, who Left the Levites and are making new priests for nothing. This people who have left me, I still love her. Hosea loves his wife like God loves his people. But this sermon goes further than that. Listen to the words. It says, when the Lord Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, "Go, take to yourself a wife of whoredom, have children of whoredom, for the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord." So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. So Hosea's love for his wife is a picture of God's love for His people. But the sermon does not stop there. See, Gomer as a harlot is a picture of God's people and how how unfaithful they are. In this story, we are not Hosea. We are not the heroic husband who loves our bride no matter what. In this story, we are the lady. We are the woman. Who keeps on sneaking out we are the woman though loved and cherished and spoken to with sweet words we still are we're still sliding into other people's dms we're still we're still looking we're still on the hunt even though we are loved so fiercely at home we are still out in the world sniffing around to find something else That is Israel, and that is us. The people of Israel, they know my great-grandfather Jacob knew the Lord. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, we come from this lineage of our family being blessed by God. We know him. We have seen his prophets. We've heard them preach. But man, this golden calf is sweet. And they they just drift away from the Lord. And no, we read the Bible and go, how could these people do this? How could the nation of Israel forsake their Lord? The question is, not how can they, but how can we? Because we do it all the time. The song says what? Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. I remember one time I was dating a girl. And the Lord very clearly told me this girl was not for me. The Lord said, this woman is not the woman I have for you. You have to let it go. And I'm like, Lord, I don't want to let it go. The Lord said, this is not for you. So I drove to see this girl. I drove three hours to end the relationship, to end it. On the way into the parking lot, I'm listening to the Rocky soundtrack, trying to get the the courage to end the relationship. (laughs) I'm a pretty dramatic person sometimes. Sometimes. I go in to see her, and it's going to be hard because we've been together for a while. There's true affection between us. It's going to be a hard thing. It's going to hurt both of us. She comes out to see me. She's surprised that I'm there, and she didn't tell me she had got a new hairstyle, and it was really, really nice. I'm sure It was, she came out, and she, she wasn't expecting me, but she somehow, it's like, I don't know what happened, but she looked great. And I saw her in her beauty. And I said, "I'm I, 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 uh, me and the Lord, are pr- I'm praying, like, Lord, I'm going to lay this down. M- me and you, I love you. You're my first, you're, you're my ultimate reality. And I saw her. I'm like, God, leave me alone. I want this. I said it in my mind as clear as day. Leave me alone. I want this instead. And we do it all the time. We make things other than God our God. Whether our family or our success or our own strength, we choose things to make the most important thing in our life and we walk away from the Lord. We are the unfaithful one. We are the spouse. Although we are well loved, we wander. The story goes read the Bible that Hosea marries Gomer and he brings her home, and he loves her. He gives her his name, and they begin a life together. But even though they begin a life together, she still will leave sometimes. To that, that, that old life still calls to her. She remembers the street. She remembers the party, and this good thing This love and safety and and healthy affection, even though it's so beautiful, she's so used to being treated badly, she just keeps getting called back to the old life. Many of us, before we came to Christ, knew that old life. We lived out there. Many of us lived in the gutter, if you will. We played the fool, and Jesus, in his kindness, Scooped us up out of the gutter and gave us this new life, this new place, this new people, a new way of doing things. Like, man, Lord, you have taken the song we just sang. The song we just sang. The song we just sung. You took me out of the miry clay. You put me on the rock, and I'm there on the rock. Like, this is awesome. Then sometimes I'm like, you know, man, I miss the mud. The mud was so cool when it was hot. I can make, you know, statues out of it. We go back. We feel called back. And we know that all that's back there is death. And still, we feel it calling us, pulling us. The reason we do recovery here at Flint City Church is because a lot of our people have come out of recovery, come out of addiction. And if anyone in addiction knows, you never, ever get that fully out of your system. If you had an addiction, if something had, they're hooking you, you have to watch that forever because it will, when you least expect it, it will come back. Dude, there are days, there are days where sometimes, I mean, I am, I'm, I'm, I love the Lord, I love my life, but there are days where I'm a little stressed and I, I hear the little voice say, wouldn't a drink be nice? Just A whisper. That tempts sometimes. If I go down that road, I'm not having a drink. I am, I'm gone. You know what i If that gets me, I am waking up in New Orleans in 14 years, gone. This sermon that Hosea must live is a picture of a good God and a faithless people. The gospel is not that we are awesome. The gospel is that God is faithful and that God takes broken people from the gutter and makes them new. That's the gospel. Not that we're awesome, but that he is awesome. Not that we are faithful, but he is faithful. He can take people in the most broken state. I have, I have looked at people in my life. I have looked at people I know, and I've said, that person's too far for the Lord. I have said that in my heart, and I have been wrong. I have seen God take people that were so far and break their hard heart and make them whole again. And it is a miracle every time. As the story progresses, we come to this moment of great sadness in Hosea chapter 3. The Lord said to me, said to Hosea, Go again, love a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress, even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, though they turn to other gods and love cakes of raisins. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and a homer and a lethic of barley. What's going on here? What, what just happened? Go again and love a woman who has left you. Well, apparently, as time went on, maybe Gomez would leave for the night and not come home. And then she'd be gone for the weekend. She'd go for a week at a time. No one knew where or why she'd leave. Well, one day, she didn't come back. She didn't come back. And he has these kids, and he's raising them, and she's just gone. And word comes to Hosea. Hosea, your wife has been gone. She's down at the auction block. And she's being sold as a slave. Whatever she got involved in was so bad, she owed some money to somebody, and she's being sold to pay the debt she owed. People told her, hey, Hosea, um, I heard your wife is down at the auction house. I just wanted you to know, just wanted you to know, peace, brother. And God said, Hosea, she is down there. She is down there. I want you to go down there. I want you to buy her freedom. I want you to pay to get your wife back. So the prophet walked on the street to the auction house. The auction house, he had a bid against other people. You know, one shekel of silver, two, five. And he bid because God told him, you get your wife back. And all his savings and all the money he had, he put down and he got his wife back. You know what that's called? That's called redemption. He redeemed his wife He didn't go down there to point a finger and say, What you get? Dishonoring a man of the Lord is what you get for what you've done. He went down there to bring her home, to pay the debt she owed, to bring her back to himself. That's called redemption. He redeemed, Hosea redeemed Gomer. And in the same way that Hosea redeemed Gomer, Jesus Christ redeems sinners. In the same way, Hosea walked down to that oxen block. And he said, that is my wife, and I will pay whatever is owed because I'm bringing her home. My neighbors might laugh at me. They may call me all kinds of names. I don't give a rip. That's my beloved, and I will do whatever it takes to bring her back. God said, Hosea, you have to be a living sermon for me, because the same way that you go and redeem your wife, I am going to come and redeem my people, my people who left me, who ran to sin, who, I mean, back in the garden, they, I made a garden for them, I protected them, I gave them safety, and they said, I'd rather have something else than you, I'd rather rather have the knowledge of good and evil than you, God, and they left me, they left and Humanity's always leaving, but I am going to find a way to get him back. And so God sends His Son, Jesus Christ, to redeem lost sinners. The Bible says very clearly, we are the unfaithful ones. We are the wanderers. Now some of you here might not know Jesus. Maybe you've heard about him, you've heard the name. People you love, love him, but you personally, Jesus is not a real person in your life. So you, Jesus is like an idea or a religious reality. I described earlier in this, this time together, I described weeping and being held. So I described earlier. Some of, you, some of you might think, man, I have wept and I have never felt that I was held by anyone. I've never felt that I was safe in the arms of anything beyond this life. Some of you don't know Jesus. Jesus is an idea. He's not a person. And we, listen, we speak Jesus. because Jesus is not just an idea. He is not some dead thing. Jesus is alive. And Jesus engages his followers. If you read the scriptures, you read that if we are in Christ, we are united with Him in this mystical, powerful way. Christ is part of our actual, everyday, moment to moment life. Some of you don't know that comfort. You don't know what to walk in Jesus and to be loved in this way. You may feel guilty, you may feel you deserve God's love. I want to say to you today, Jesus redeems lost sinners. He redeems bad people. Like really bad people. If you read the Bible, you'll be amazed at how PG 13 and R-rated this book really is. The Bible, like, people say, how can you know the Bible's real? Listen, if I made a religion, I wouldn't show you all the warts and zits of every dude in the story. The Bible's like this dude sucked and that dude sucked and this lady's you're like, jeez, everybody sucks. But God's His purpose still goes forward. If you're here and you're like, you know, I don't know if I know Jesus. Jesus' idea, I've never, I've never called upon the name of the Lord to be saved. The Bible says very clearly. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved. You believe in your heart and you call the name, Lord, I believe in you. I am a sinner. Save me. That's, that's the magic. Faith in his son who lives. We're here a few moments at the end of the service. We have this little altar thing. We have this little, this blue kneely thing at the front of the stage. Old school churches should have time where you come to the front and bow a knee and pray. Or take some time to come to the front and pray at the end of the service. If you're here and you're like, but I don't know the Lord, I'm going to invite you to come and bow the knee and call upon the name of the Lord. In the same way Hosea came to get his wife, the Christ has come to get you. Maybe you're here and you know the Lord. You love the Lord. But life is hard. And life is long. And you've just begun to drift. You don't talk anymore. You just kind of drifted away. And you miss him. You just miss him. If that's you, I invite you to come and bow a knee. You call upon the Lord and say, Lord, I miss you. I just miss you. And I still love you and I'm here. I don't know what you need to do today. But I'm going to ask Ricky, if you'd come and play some guitar behind we're gonna have a moment of prayer. If you want to come and bow the knee, you can come and bow the knee and just call upon the Lord. So we're not, I'm gonna do a quick prayer. If you wish to come and bow, you may come and bow. Let us pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your word that is true. We see in Hosea a loving husband. We see you. In Gomer, we see a faithless wife, and we see ourselves. But, Lord, we watch. We watch Hosea walk to the auction block. We watch him buy his wife back. And in this living sermon, we see that you, O oh Lord, you redeem your lost children. So for those in this room who don't know you, let them come and bow the knee and call upon your name for the first time and meet you in this place. For those in this room who have just drifted away, just drifted away, let them come and bow the knee, Lord, and call upon your name afresh, remembering who you are and who they are in you. Hear our cries and hear our prayers this morning, Father. Bless those as they come. God bless you as you come, church.